seems that Brexit is a complete and utter dog's mess at the moment. Uh, the Tories just challenging everything that's possible to challenge. And of course, as we know, Theresa May has already signed up to a backstop deal, can't get out of it now, and it looks like people are not happy. But a brand new party, the Brexit Party, well, they claim they have raised over a million in three weeks, and it's backed by Nigel Farage. And basically, he says that uh, he is backing this because if they're threatened, uh, or they want to threaten to challenge the Tories, if they sell out Brexit, and Nigel is on the line. Uh, Nigel Farage, good afternoon to you. Good afternoon. Nigel, I mean, this is just a mess. We've got companies like Sony, we've got Panasonic, we've got Dyson, all abandoning Britain. Is it because of Brexit, (laughs) or is it because of the uncertainty that the Tories have created? Well, there's certainly uncertainty, and you're quite right to say that. I mean, we're two and a half years after the vote, and do you know how much we've agreed so far? Well, let's try about zero, shall we? Well, I did watch Parliament the other night. It was like a Christmas pantomime. It was exciting to (laughs) watch. I I did get the popcorn in for that one. (laughs) Yeah, it was good entertainment, wasn't it? Yeah, uh, but but it's not, Nigel, on a serious note, it's not entertaining for the British people where they don't really know what their future is. I mean, you were there in 2015 when David Cameron wouldn't back down, and a lot of people felt, and I'm not trying to criticise you, but when they're kind of, you know what, hit the fan and Brexit was voted for unanimously, of course, and there was democracy, but, you know, you were gone. You know what I mean? No, I no, 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 no. I volunteered to help. You know, I said to the government, I want to help with the Brexit process over in Brussels and around and, and around the rest of Europe. Um, I, I have made it very clear. I didn't want any payment, didn't need a title. I wanted to be part of the team to help deliver it, and my services weren't wanted. And what we've actually seen is a British Prime Minister take over, bizarrely, who herself didn't vote for Brexit, who still doesn't really believe in Brexit, to give it all to a civil servant called Ollie Robbins to negotiate. Uh, and and we've, we've, we've finished up with, on the table, a deal that is what I would call a Remainer's Brexit. So, yes, it is a dog's dinner because of a very, very weak sense. But, you, but she was handed a poison chalice. I mean, no matter what she did, it wasn't going to be the right thing. The Tories were never going to agree with anything anyway. So she had a poison chalice. I mean, there's no way she could... I mean, she ran to Europe, of course, to sign up for the backstop as soon as it was mentioned oh. by Leo Varadkar and Simon Coveney. And now she can't get out of that deal. Well, that was an absolute catastrophe. She signed up to something that that no leader would sign up to unless you'd literally been defeated militarily in war. I mean, to sign up to something that you can't get out of, that could leave you permanently trapped inside the EU's rules, uh, was just a catastrophic error. And can I say wholly unnecessary in every Well, unnecessary in way. your eyes, but obviously in Leo Varadkar's and Simon Coveney's eyes, it was completely necessary because the question must be asked, Nigel, do you actually care about the Irish people, both Northern Irish and Republic of Ireland? Because I don't know what's well, going to happen. I mean, if we if they go out, you know, in 50-whatever days' time and there's a no-deal Brexit and we end up on a border in Northern Ireland, are we going to see the German troops standing on the border, the EU coalition well, army? Well, I think it's very interesting to ask the question that who has Mr. Varadkar been working for? Has he been working in the interests of of the Republic of Ireland? Or has he been doing the bidding of Mr. Barnier and Mr. Juncker and the bureaucrats in Brussels? The one thing that an Irish leader should have been doing from day one is arguing for a continuation of trade on a tariff-free basis. And he should have done that because if we do move to tariff, particularly on agricultural products, it's Irish farmers that are going to get hurt worse than any other group in the whole of Europe. I want us to continue uh, the 
two decades or more that we've had of improving relations between our countries. Uh, but I'm afraid that the tone that's been struck from Dublin has been really anti-British, anti-English, uh, just trying to make things as difficult as possible. Well, 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 well Veronica and Coveley obviously went with Plan A, which was the deal that we saw going back two and a half months ago now, which was rejected, of mm-hmm. course, by Parliament. And it seems they didn't have a Plan B because they'd cozied up to Europe, and we all understand that. But, I mean, are you really... I mean, you've avoided the question as to whether you're going to lead this new party if, indeed, uh, you know, the oh, Tories need yeah, to challenge... No, no, I'm not... A- I'm not avoiding anything. If, Brexit, if, the, if the Brexit ball gets dropped, uh, and I guess in many ways uh, the, the, the Irish government are a key part of this because what, uh, what Theresa May now needs, and it's very humiliating for her, I understand that, if there is a change to the backstop where we put in place a guarantee between each other that there are no circumstances in which any hard border or any troops are going to be needed, then the withdrawal agreement will go through and business on March the 30th will be very similar to the way it was on March the 29th. But you, you, but you really, said in your own words that you, you, know, you've avoid, you, you don't want an extension, obviously, to Article 50, but you said it would be acceptable under certain circumstances if Parliament agreed uh, to get rid of the backstop, you would accept it would be kicked down the road a few months. Now, obviously, you, you don't want it to go no, too far, but no, in the hope no, of a general no, no. election. No, I would have thought a week, two weeks. I mean, if, if, if a withdrawal agreement, you know, was put together at the 11th hour... Without the backstop. And if, and without the backstop, and if, if Parliament needed a couple of days to get the legislation through, that's fine. But if we finish up uh, with no deal at all, uh, and, and if we don't leave on World Trade Organization terms, which I've got no problem with, but if we don't, if we simply see an extension of Article 50 and Brexit not delivered, then the Brexit party will be back, and and, 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 and yes, I'll be there, no question. I mean, I mean, Jeremy Hunt said, you know, that the reason they want to obviously extend this is to kick it down the road in the hope of another general election. Do you, I mean, do you foresee that happening? No, I, you know, right at the moment, I don't see a general election suiting the Conservative Party or particularly suiting the Labour Party either. Um, so, no, uh, I think, I, frankly, the problem with extending Article 50 is if you extend it once, one is extended again. And then, one, and they, you know, that could just go on and on and on. And I, I think, frankly, you know, not only, not only did the British people vote for this in a referendum, we backed it up in a general election. We then had 500 MPs who voted for Article 50, and now we have a whole load of them trying to wriggle out of it. There's a huge amount of anger in the United Kingdom at the fact that Parliament is not delivering. And if you like, I'm there as a threat. I'm there saying... You know, if you don't deliver this, I'll be back in frontline electoral politics and, you, and you'll wish you'd never done that. I mean, but, but you, you suggest yourself, you know it, the situation Italy's in at the moment. They've all, already declared their country is a mess and they're going into recession, all right? So you yourself have said this is why we don't want to be part of the European Union because, of course, Britain mm. will be part of bailing out, as they bailed out Ireland, they will be part of bailing out Italy now as well. But realistically, you know, leaving with a no-deal Brexit is going to cost them 39 billion anyway. So, I mean, it's no, a no-win no, situation. No, no. No, no. If we leave with no deal, there is no 39 billion. It's as simple as that. And when I said that in the European Parliament, sitting not five feet from Mr. Juncker the other day, I could see the fear in his eyes. The EU desperately want that 39 billion. And I predict what you will now see in the next few weeks is pressure coming on Dublin from Brussels to say, come on, guys, the time has now come to make some compromises. And that compromise is no backstop. 
I, I'm, I'm what, I'm what do you, but what do you think, Nigel, realistically? What do you think the no backstop means for the Irish people and for the Northern Irish people, many of whom, by the way, consider themselves British, many of whom consider themselves Irish? I mean, you know the political mess that we already have mm. up there. It hasn't really gone mm. away. I mean, and as soon as, you know, I mean, realistically, if there's no backstop, there has to be a customs man. Somebody has to stand at that border. Do you know, do, do, do you know, do you know as we speak, there are thousands of containers being unloaded in Southampton Dock, and they've come in from China, right? They've come in under World Trade Organization rules. I promise you, there isn't a little chap there opening them up and inspecting them. All of this gets logged and registered online. And here's the bizarrest part of it all. Back in November 2017, the European Parliament put together a comprehensive report saying how to avoid a hard border in the event of a no I don't believe we have the technology to do that. That's all well and good for goods because, of course, you're right. Technology can be used, you know, with barcoding and all sorts of systems. But but in saying that, when we're talking about people, this is a physical border on a geographical piece of island. So, I mean, when you're talking about people and cars traveling, if they can't do it from Canada to America, how do you believe we're going to be able to do it from Ireland? Because, because otherwise, it'll be like a bucket with a hole in it. Because we have an exceptional relationship, a, a, a unique relationship, a strange historical relationship. We already, between our countries, have a common travel area and all of those things. And the last thing, frankly, we need is Brussels putting its nose in, uh, in into, into this business. The British and Irish governments themselves should be able to sort this out without any difficulty whatsoever. And, and you yourself have suggested, of course, that Ireland will, and you didn't say should, you used the word will, will leave the EU. But, you know, I don't know where you're getting that from. I do hear it from certain people and certain factions. But, mm. I mean, if you look at all the recent polls, I don't know whether it's the Brexit mess that has caused that. The recent polls suggest that the Irish people are not willing to leave the EU. There isn't political will to do it as long as Leo Varadkar and Simon Coveney are there. That's not going to happen unless we have another general election. No. So, so when, do, I mean, do you really predict that Ireland will leave the EU? And what would be the best choice for us to do? Well, I mean, you know, obviously, uh, for Ireland, the price you, in the end, the price you paid for Europe has been huge. You finished up with the biggest debt of any country in Europe because you joined the wrong currency. None of your politicians have ever, ever apologized for that. You've given away a vast fishing resource. Uh, ultimately, if Ireland doesn't leave the EU, the EU will leave you. This project isn't working. And you see right across Europe now, political parties saying, look, we're very happy to have a Europe of trade, friendship, cooperation, and being good next-door neighbours. But a Europe where people like Juncker and Barnier, who we can't vote for and can't remove, run the show, is unacceptable. The days of this union are numbered. Mark my words. I'm just looking actually at some of the latest news literally coming in as we speak. Gibraltar Colony Row flares up as EU agrees visa-free travel uh, for UK citizens even after a no-deal Brexit. And it says yeah, Britons won't yeah. need a visa for short stays in Europe. So there you are. So there you are. Yet another piece of project fear has disappeared this morning. We're going to be able to move around in Europe and we're going to be able to move freely across the border in Ireland. What we need to focus on, what we really need to focus on, is getting a tariff-free deal. And then there will be no issues with the Irish border whatsoever. And do do you think a united Ireland is inevitable or is that something you've thought about? 
Oh, I think that's a separate political debate. But, and I think but, it's, not, but, it, but, it, but it's not really a separate political debate, is well, it? I, I mean, because really, it's all well, part of it. I mean, if people in Northern well, Ireland want to be part <laughs> of Europe uh, and people in Northern Ireland want to be part of Ireland, this kind of pushes the referendum, well, very much forward. It's been talked about quite a lot over here at the moment. Well, if you say to the people in Northern Ireland, do you want the euro as your currency, I think you might get a very interesting result. Well, I think in the end, well, if we look back at the actual results of the Brexit referendum, I think the majority of people in Northern Ireland voted against it. It's a remarkable thing that Sinn Féin, who used to be a nationalist party... I well, uh, want to be part of Europe, yes, I understand that. Yeah, well, yeah, I, 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 mean, I mean, can someone explain the logic of this to me? How can you want to say, we hate Westminster, we can't stick the English, but we're very happy for unelected bureaucrats in Brussels to rule us? And this, this, this is the odd thing that has happened in Irish politics. I don't understand it. How are well, they were, well, they were against Europe either. during the Maastricht and the Lisbon Treaty. They were, the Sinn Féin, of course, yes. were, were campaigning against being part of Europe. I, I know, not. I know. I mean, I shared a platform with Mary Lou Macdonald in Dublin during those Lisbon uh, referendum debates. Uh, and, I, and, and, and that is the one thing that is the one thing that changed the electoral numbers in Northern Ireland. And I, I still, to this moment, don't understand how Irish nationalists want Mr. Juncker to be their boss. I don't get it. Okay, finally, what's going to happen in 55 days? Or 56 days? Well, no, 55 now, actually. What's going to happen in 55 days? What's your prediction, Nigel? Truthful prediction. My prediction is it's 50%. There'll be a Brexit. Uh, probably a slightly softer one than I would like. 50% there's going to be a deal done. Uh, and 50% they'll extend it for nine months. And no, back- pick. And no backstop. If there's no backstop that it will, will not doubt the extension. All right, well, listen, thank you very much indeed, Nigel Farage. Appreciate you coming here today. All right.